Then we're done recording. All right, take your Bible to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Some things are left off of the recording. We've got actually listeners from all over the world. We've got eight different countries where people are listening in. Our newest one is Great Britain. And uh, we're, we have listeners, and praise the Lord for that. Hopefully it's a blessing and an encouragement to those. As we continue our study here through uh, the first epistle of Thessalonians, we have, up until this time, we've looked at verses 1 through Four. Now today we're going to just concentrate on one verse, and that's verse 5. And so instead of reading all of the verses, all ten verses, which is just a short chapter, but instead of doing that, for the sake of time, we're just going to read the one verse that we're going to look at today, and that's verse 5. And it says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you, for your sake. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the honor to be here this day, Lord, to know that, Father, that we, we desire to please you, we desire to serve you, and right now, Lord, we desire to learn from your word. Lord, I do pray that you keep all distractions away. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one that is here today. Lord, I, I pray that they would receive a great blessing for being here and gathering with this church today. I pray that you'd help me as I preach this message, that I would not draw attention to myself, that I would not take the attention off of our Lord here today, Father. Thank you for the songs that we sing, and Father, as we worship you. Lord, as we sing the song, it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for dying for us. Thank you, Lord, that you died for me, that you gave your life that I can live. Help us never, Father, to get over that. Help us, Father, to never lose the wonder of that truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us now as we look into your word, that you'd speak to hearts as only you can, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We find that the, these epistles, First and Second Thessalonians, were the earliest epistles of Paul's and were written from Corneth in the years about A.D. 52 or... 53 is about the time when they were written. In the first epistle, Paul rejoices over Timothy's good report of the faith of the Christians at Thessalonica and confirms them against the persecutions and temptations they would meet by discussing the miraculous testimony of God to the truth of the gospel. And we find that in verses uh, 5 through 10 of our, of our chapter where we're at today. And I want you to turn back with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, we find the account here of how this church was started. And we're just gonna, we're not gonna read all of it, but I just want to read a, a few verses in Acts chapter 17. Reading in verse 1, the Bible says, Now when we had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonii, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preached unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. 
So we find here where they where they were were saved. We find where a church was birthed here in Thessalonica, the church of the Thessalonians, as the Bible says here in verse one of our text. Uh, we find here the start. I want you to see first of all in our text this morning where it says this for our gospel, for our gospel. Um, and Paul speaks as if our gospel, not as our gospel, because it was the gospel preached by him, by Silas, and by Timothy. If you would, just look over to, to uh, chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, I believe it is. Um, actually, no, 1 Thessalonians, I believe, if I remember right here. Yes, uh, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Look at verse 13. For this cause also, also thank we God, Without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so it wasn't, yes, it's our gospel, but it was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says several places in chapter 2, it was the gospel of God. It was their word preaching the gospel of Christ. That's how God is able to reach the world. He doesn't reach the world by angels coming down and appearing to people. I, I heard one time where a fellow said that um, he was standing there and the, the, the front of his window bust open and there was 10-foot Jesus standing there and saying that you need to trust me. I don't know what kind of pizza that fellow ate that night. He must have had extra anchovies on it or something. But that's not the way that the gospel is preached. The gospel is preached by servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith and trust in him, and that we are the mouthpiece of the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so he says it as our gospel, because it was the gospel preached by him and those with him. And Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but it's personal to me. When I preach the gospel message, it's not just something I'm making up. It's not just something I feel obligated to do, but it's personal. I, I am taking ownership of that gospel. It's my gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying here. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. So Paul, the preacher here, by the Holy Spirit of God, is preaching his gospel, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the gospel of God. He did not mean to say that the gospel had originated with him, but only that he had delivered the good news of salvation to them. He was the one that God used to deliver the message of the gospel. If you're here today, and if you ever had the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord, there's no greater feeling than to know that God used you. You were the mouthpiece that God used to lead somebody to the Lord. And boy, I tell you, that's, that's, that's a hallelujah time when you know for sure that, that you were the one that God used to be able to lead somebody to the Lord. Here, he is stating the evidence which had been given that they were a church chosen by God and he refers first to the manner in which the gospel was received by them. Look in verse 6 and 7. It says, And he became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia 
and Achaia. So we're saying that you are chosen by God because you have received the gospel that was preached unto you. We also see to the spirit which they themselves manifested and sending it abroad. We find that in verses 8 through 10 where it says this, from, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that ye need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we find that to the Spirit, they, they were he refers to the Spirit which they themselves manifested, or they showed forth that they had received the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1. In verse 8, ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. Now, if you've been saved, the, the gospel, the good news is yours, and you can witness to others. And you can give them the gospel that saved your soul. It is personal to you. It is personal to you. Now, if you go and you try to witness and you say, well, this is what our church teaches, it's not personal. It's not personal to you. If you're saved, that's your gospel. That saved you. You have taken part in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for that. And he goes on to say here, he says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, not in word only, it was not merely spoken or uh, just heard. It produced a powerful effect on these people, on their hearts and on their lives. It was not mere empty sound that produced no other effect than the inter to entertain or to amuse. And can I say, the message should not just be that, oh, he's an awesome speaker. Boy, you should hear him speak. No, it, it shouldn't just be that. It should speak to our hearts and therefore produce a change in our hearts. He said, well, yes, that's for the unsaved. But no, for the saved as well. He is changing us every day. He's changing me, my blessed Savior. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Sometimes it's slow growing, but there's a knowing that he's changing me. He is changing us, folks, every single day. And how does he change us? Not because of great music or great preaching, but he changes us through the word of God. The word of God. And praise the Lord for that. Not in word only. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 2, or 32, I'm sorry. It says this, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. Now, a preacher can preach, but if you don't hear the words from God... You're not going. You're not going to listen. You're not certainly not going to do them. James chapter four, I believe it's verse seventeen. I think. Don't quote me on that, but it says, "To him that do, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It is sin." You see, you come. You're not hearing the the, the message of Andrew Nisley. You're hearing the message that God wants you to hear. It's the message from the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me 
with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. How many times do we get, we have a good speech. We can say, yes, we're a Christian. People say, well, they're a Christian, but just the way they talk. But our hearts are far from God. We can put on a good act. And I can, I can fool you, and you can fool me, but you will never, ever, ever fool God. It cannot be done. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, it says, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. A man can have a message that will develop a following, but in the end they will all fall away and perish. Many men have developed followings. Many women have developed followings. They've started their own religion. And they've had people swarm to them. They've moved across country. They've moved out of country. They've moved to where they'll have utopias and everything else. And people have flocked all over them, even to this very day. You think people would actually think and learn from history. But people still are doing it. They're still flocking and following people that are leading them down a road of destruction. They're leading them down a road where they think this man has the answers. This man's saying what I want to hear. This man's got it. Or this woman's got it. She's got all the answers. And they follow them to the T on everything and only find that they're not following the Lord. They're following a man. Only the truth will hold you. Paul shows by two things that they were, they, that they're followed very great, they're, they're followed great fruit from his preaching. And that is by the power of the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit, and also by much assurance, which was truly settled in their minds as appeared by their, their willingness to bear their cross. I like the song that we sing where it says, Must Jesus bear the cross alone, and all the world go free? Well, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. What a great song. We're good. We, we want the Lord to, to take care of us. We want him to save us. But wait a second. What, what, what's this suffering? What is this tribulation that we have? And the Bible tells us in, 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 in Timothy's epistles, he says, and Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're going to suffer persecution. And if there's ever a church that knew persecution, it was this church. It was this church. You see, when Paul came there and he preached in Thessalonica, there was a great uproar. There was a great uproar. When they were in the house of Jason, they came and they pounded on the door and said, send them forth. And they brought them out and beat them in front of everybody. And you say, well, that's a place you want to leave and never go back. But we find later on in the epistles, Paul says, I long to see you. I long to see you. I long to come unto you, but I was hindered by Satan. I was, I want to. Now, this, this persecution and things, that's not scared me. I long to see you. I want to be there, but I was hindered by Satan. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. You know, there's been times when I've, I guess I, I could say it was a personal pity party. You know, what you, when it, it seems like whenever you have a pity party, it's kind of a, you're all by yourself, right? You feel sorry for yourself. And, and I can remember thinking, Lord, I, I don't know why you use me. 
I, 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 I stumble and stammer over a lot of the words in, in the Word of God. And there's so many other men out there who are so more, much more elegant in their speech. And I, I, and I brought it down, instead of being about our Lord and His message, I brought it down to it was about me, what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And the Lord was like, wait a second. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about me. And folks, that's what it's about. Paul says here in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I've heard some excellent messages. I mean, it was just like, wow. Whoa, that was something else. But if you break it down, a lot of it was man's wisdom. Man's wisdom. And it wasn't God's. I was just talking to a preacher last night, and he said that he went to this summit in uh, New Jersey, Solid Rock Baptist Church. He said he was there, and the press of there, Charlie Clark made a statement of that they remember the days when they were meeting in a storefront. And they said it was, they didn't have room for it everybody to really fit in the paint was peeling off the walls but he said we knew that god was with us and god met with us many other preachers i could tell you stories of preachers who talk about meeting in a one-room barn or house or something where they all kind of gathered around a stove in the winter time because it was cold but they sang the hymns and they preached the word of god and it just the holy spirit of god was real to them god worked it's not about the wisdom of man. Can I ask you today, who are you following, a man or the message? Every person that is saved is indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 5 verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Romans 8 verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, that be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know, we don't teach that you get saved and then later on you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, how did he know this? Well, this comes because they saw it. In verse 5 here, our text, they had much assurance. Much assurance. He said, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Much assurance. You know the difference between insurance and assurance? Nearly all of us have insurance policies. I noticed the other day when we were getting ready to go over to Holton, I noticed that our tags had run out. And uh, so I quickly, I got on the computer and I had to type in my information. And one of the things that I had to have in order for them to accept my payment and, and, and would give me the tags for our van, would, I had to prove that I had insurance. And so I did. I had the card and I typed that in. Boom. Away. Five minutes later, I was driving down the road. I had my my paper in hand that we're all we're all legal to go. And, and you know, if, it, if we were stopped, it'd just be a little inconvenience. I could show my paper and, and away we would go. I had some insurance. Policy is insurance to assure that 
we will be taken care of in case of an accident. You know, we, we, you have to have insurance. You have to have this. You have to have that. Well, the government says you have to have this. We find that the insurance remains in effect as long as we pay the premiums on the policy. And however, if we don't make the payments, it cancels. It cancels. I can remember when I first started driving, I was with State Farm. And every once in a while, I'd get a phone call. Um, Mr. Nisley, your, your, insurance, your insurance has canceled. I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll send you a check or drop by. Okay, no problem. We just wanted to remind you. They're, they're not as lenient anymore. I mean, back then they were just like, okay, yeah, we'll just drop it off when you get a chance and we'll send you the new cards. It's not like that anymore. If you don't pay, you're not going to keep your insurance. That's how simple it really is. You must pay to have insurance to be protected. But assurance, on the other hand, is not based on the payment or premiums, but on the fact that all the premiums have already been paid. It's already been paid for. Salvation is not an insurance policy. It is an assurance policy. It's not something that as long as we live right and as long as we do this, we're going to have that assurance of our salvation. No, no, no. Because it's not what we've done. It's not what we can do. It's what Christ has done for us. It has been paid in full. Assurance is, praise the Lord, assurance is better than, assurance is better than insurance because we cannot default. And it cannot cancel the assurance. Insurance can be likened to, to works. Assurance can be likened to grace. And they're saying here, there is much assurance. Even Christians, every Christian should have full assurance of salvation. And if you don't, it's not God's fault. If we don't have that full assurance of our salvation, it's, it's, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he never will. He keeps his word. Always he keeps his word. But times, there's times when we can stray from him. There's times when we can doubt. We can doubt. I, I, I know of a pastor right now who's been a pastor for years. A great man of God has done a great work for God. He was diagnosed with cancer and they put him on some drugs, experimental drugs or whatever. And it messed his mind up to the point where he no longer even knows if he's saved or not. He said, well, I, that couldn't happen to me. I'm a Christian. You be careful what you say. You better be careful. Because, oh, yes, it can happen. You stay close to the Lord. Much assurance. That is, with firm conviction or full persuasion of its truth. It was not embraced as a doubtful thing and did not produce the effect on the mind which caused by anything that is uncertain in its character. Many seem today to embrace the gospel as if they only half believe the truth of the gospel. But you can't halfway believe the gospel and be saved. You must completely believe with much assurance that you are saved. To believe the gospel unto salvation produces much assurance. It was the, this case with the Thessalonians. They believed wholeheartedly without any doubt. There was the firmest conviction of its truth, and they embraced it heart and soul. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. From all this that is said in this verse, it's evident the power of God was remarkably manifested in the lives of these believers who were suffering persecution, but yet they stood true, they stood faithful, and they were a witness for God even all through this persecution that they were facing at this time. The Thessalonians were true believers. We see also number, number four, where it goes, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. This is important. As you, what manner of men we were among you. Look in chapter 2. First Thessalonians. Look in verses 9 and 10. It says here, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses of God, ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Wow. Praise the Lord. Ye are witnesses also. He said, you are witnesses how we live the holy life. You are witnesses that we did not come there for our self-gain. You are the witnesses that we didn't come there because we were seeking something from you, but we were giving of ourselves to you night and day. We did not want to be chargeable unto you. We did it for the Lord. Look back in Acts chapter 20, if you would. In Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, look in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Man, that could be said something right there. Amen. I wonder how many times we, we're coveting something. I would say probably too often. Too many times that we too many times that we'd want to really admit that we covet things. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. He's saying, look, you know that, listen, I have not taken anything from you. These hands, God has provided for me, given me these hands that I can provide, that it's, I'm not chargeable unto you. Verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. He means here that he is, he and his fellow laborers had set themselves as examples. Or they had shown that Christianity was, was by their manner of living and that the Thessalonians had become convinced that the religion which they taught was real. 
the message that they taught, we just said, not in word only. Not in word only. It wasn't just a, a good spear come through. He, he spewed out some good words and everybody's like, oh yes, we're going to follow him. No, it wasn't in word only. Their lives backed up their message. Praise the Lord. Is your life a convincing testimony? When you tell somebody you're a Christian, are they like, really? I would have never known. Get out. I hope that's not true. I hope they say, yeah. I figured that. Like Brother Mike, I like what he's got on the back of his truck now. You see what he's got on the back of his truck? You can always tell it's his truck. Heaven bound with the hammer down. <laughs> Usually it's like a blurry. You can't really read it when it goes past it. No. People ought to know you're a Christian, not just because you tell them. I worked with a man for several years. And one day as I was witnessing to him, he smiled. I am a Pentecostal preacher. And I looked at him and I said, I would have never known. I was trying to shame him a little bit. He's like, yeah, I'm not real open about it. I was. I was. And I don't see where any Bible-believing Christian is not a witness. There's no such thing as a Bible-believing Christian who is not a witness. Is your life a convincing testimony? You know, I wanted to get bumper stickers for our cars, for our church. Follow me to River Valley Baptist Church. And after thinking about that, Brother Jerry suggesting some things, I thought, you know, I don't want somebody to have a follow me to River Valley Baptist Church on Sunday morning and be somewhere else instead of River Valley Baptist Church. Can you imagine pulling into the restaurant, going out for breakfast on a Sunday morning, but follow me to River Valley Baptist Church? And they're like, Somebody followed you in there? Is this the church? Uh, oh, no, let me give you directions. <laughs> nah, hopefully we don't have that here, but, you know, we need to be careful. The holy life of a preacher goes a long way to confirm the truth of the message that he preaches. I'm not talking, no, I didn't say pastor. That goes too. But I'm a preacher. You're a preacher. All of God's children are preachers. And every creature needs a preacher. Are you preaching the gospel to each and every soul that you come in contact with? Is your life a message? Is your life a message? Is your life that preach the message, the gospel of God? Why are we trying to fit in with the world around us? Why are we just live our lives for the Lord? And let the chips fall where they may. They are saying here how we preached and how we lived. Our doctrines and our practices were in unity together. I always say this. Don't invite people out to church and not be here when they show up. When you invite somebody to church and they come, you should be the first one that goes and welcomes them. So glad you're here. Thanks for coming. I was praying that you would come. Thank you so much for coming today. We have had times when people have shown up and asked, where's so-and-so? They've invited me. I'm just like, I don't know where so-and-so's at. I don't know. Uh, they, they must be sick or something. We'll have to find out. And I understand that, this, you know, I'm not saying if you, it doesn't matter if you're sick, you come in here, bring your bucket with you. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if it's all possible, 
be in church. Don't plan things on church days. Be faithful. Your communication that the world is watching needs to preach Christ. Someone once said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's the truth. If you go to a lost world with the attitude that you're better than they are, that's exactly what they're going to see. They're going to see a self-righteous person who's proclaiming their goodness and their glory instead of the Christ. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Not that Paul can save anyone, but his gospel can. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 3, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory that I what I preached unto you, unless you unless, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It's not more programs or better medication that's going to change the world. It's not more uh, acceptance of lifestyles that's going to change the world. It's only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to change the world. And people say, yeah, but those programs, I got some great help. I'm not saying that they don't help. I'm not saying that there's not some help that can be provided from them, but it's all temporal. It's all temporal. Yes, but the medication that they prescribe, you don't understand, it really helps. It's all temporal. It only lasts for a short time. The gospel is eternal. That message of the gospel that will change your life, as, as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Only the gospel can change people for the good. Praise the Lord. And that's what this town, this province, this country, this world needs. It needs Christians who are preaching a message that they're backing up what they're preaching with their lives that they're living. Can I ask you today, will you go? Will you give? And will you live so that others can be saved? Will you face persecution and face it joyfully for the sake of the gospel? Will you so that others may know Christ? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you'd use this message to be a strength and a help to your people. Help us to live our lives, Lord, according to your word. And through your strength, not on our own might, Lord, but by your might. And Father, I pray that you just help us to be an example of the believers. Lord, we love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.